Hello, Luke here. I would just like to take a moment to disclose upfront that we sometimes talk about sensitive topics in our podcasts, and in fairness to our audience, we will try our best to put specific warnings in the descriptions of each episode. Now on with the show. just one of those days where you put on some makeup. Every venue's fucked. East Berlin sucks. You don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping Yitzi's passport up. It's all about the Hedwig she said bullshit. I think they better quit stalking that twink or they'll be dealing with a heart sink. And yes, that was big stuff that's, by that was, Biscuit. That's almost not allowed. I was, was going <laughs> to... Talking about what he said, she said. I realized what you're doing and I was going to disqualify you. <laughs> I'm just going to edit yours out. And come I up think a Limp Biscuit reference, honestly, just adds spice to anything. You know. I was going to say also, I feel like it's on brand. Because I feel like a Limp Biscuit can't be any bigger than an inch. No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> We're still referencing Fred, still referencing Fred Durst and I just want to it makes Flaccid me, cookie <laughs> Frederick uh, Frederick Durstless Mr. Durst <laughs> A rap rock divided against itself Cannot stand Welcome to the Nostalgia Killers podcast Where we revisit films from our youth To see if they still hold up Or should be inserted into the great DVD player in the sky I'm Luke Loaned Joined once again, as usual, by Chuck Starzinski. Hello, it is I. And our special guest, Julia Kaplan. Oh, hey guys. What's up? Thank you for joining us. I'm we're, so like... We know you're very excited about... Yeah, obviously. Like, because, <laughs> because we watched all over you. <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you like it or not... Ow! Hedwig! Don't you know me, Kansas City? I'm the new Berlin Wall. Try and turn me down. How did some slip of a girly boy become the internationally ignored song stylist barely standing before you? Damn, I can't believe you're not a girl. Looks like we got some sugar daddies in the house. You could give me a cavity, honey. Now you're interested, huh? Inch, not itch. Intrigued. It is clear that I must find my other half. But is it a he or a she? Can two people actually become one? The dark turns and noise of this wicked little town. One day in the late mid-80s, I was in my early late 20s. I never knew that woman before that night, and I never knew she wasn't a woman. I've got a sweet tooth. Songs exploded out of us. We were outgrossing monster trucks in Wichita. When it comes to huge openings, a lot of people think of me. I had tried singing once, and they threw tomatoes. So after the show, I had a nice salad. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, both of you.
Hey boy, take a walk on the wild side. Hedwig and the angry itch. When I think about all the people I have come upon in my travels, I have to think about the people who have come upon me. <laughs> Yeah, we had to get Julia on the podcast because she's the only person I know who has headwig tattoos. Yes, I do. Yes, I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Oh, God. Where do I situate this? Uh, <laughs> Hedwig is like ultimate nostalgia for me. That's like a movie that I watched right when I was like 15 years old and right as you're like hitting that cusp of like, who am I? What do I want? I'm so horny all the time, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, and it was, it was extremely formative and still to this day is like one of my absolute favorite soundtracks. I mean, definitely arguably one of the best soundtracks fight me. The the songs rock. They they slap. Oh yeah. Still, still good. Oh, like, it's so good. Yeah. It's I'm so good. Like rewatching it, I was rocking out again. Like just easy. Like there's no it's masterful. Yeah. It yeah. Is. The, I mean, obviously it was a stage show before, but the fact that it's not just like a rock opera written by a glam rock band blows my mind. Yeah. It is like it literally like you you see all the references so, 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 so clearly, and they but they don't come off as being, you know chintzy or tacky it's it's very intentional and it's something that you would just be like if you found it you know in a bin at a record store you'd think you'd just hit you know gold Mm -hmm. which is what happened to me because i just rented it randomly on netflix around the you know when dvds were sent through the mail and stuff back even back then and i was just blown away by this i I didn't know what (laughs) to expect and i was just i just fell in love with it right away it's just the, the best musical i've ever seen if you can call it a musical, it's it's on the level of Spinal Tap for me. Like mm. the the comedy, the rock, like it's just good. Yeah, and it's a story with heart. Like it, you can't deny how much heart is in this. Yeah, it's like one of those. It's one of those rare musicals where the music can kind of exist completely outside of the context of the musical and still be just as amazing, just as fantastic, and the story can exist without the music. Mm-hmm. And be just as amazing and just as fantastic. And and my favorite part is that all of the music is motivated. Yeah. It's it's not just people singing for no reason. It's like the exposition is coming through in the music, which is good. And it's just yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I'd call this more of a rock opera than a musical. Because oh, sure. musicals are usually like, We're going to the mountain because that's <laughs> where Mormon. daddy is and we need to visit daddy on the mountain. And this is like, no, this is a you know, this is just yeah. a song that has context. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of nostalgia, I must have been like 17 or so um, when I first saw this. I stumbled on it, much like you. Uh, I stumbled on it at my local video store. I remember the cover caught my eye. Uh, the VHS DVD cover is like gorgeous. It's like holographic and embossed. Hmm. And also, there's just like a super hot babe on there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good job, John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, you tricked oh. me. <laughs> I definitely like saw it and was like, "Oh, what's this?" Lady. Yeah, I was like, "What's this? Uh, what's this hot babe singing?" Um, but yeah, uh, I was incredibly surprised. Obviously, uh, when I fired up the film in a very good way, though, I absolutely loved it. I'm um, pretty sure also this was my first real time seeing uh, drag and queer culture portrayed on film. Mm. Like aside from just 
kind of semi-mean-spirited, like, cross-dressing comedies of, like, the 80s and 90s. Right. <laughs> and, like, it definitely made me much more open-minded and accepting at a younger age. Like, because I, you know, seeing it at 17, it definitely was, like, I was still very much, you know, in high school dealing with high school closed-minded things and saying words that you shouldn't say, but it's, you know, the early 2000s, so you're like, eh, here's a slap on the wrist for saying that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely, like, <laughs> it fixed me. It woke me up a little bit. It opened my eyes, so eh, much love to this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if I could say one thing about where, like, this movie has kind of taken me, it's like, it's so about identity, but it's also so about like love and loving yourself and loving other people, but also like, it's so complex. I mean, each time you watch it, you can get something new from it. And mm -hmm. as a young burgeoning, you know, bisexual who had like found drag at about 12 and just was like, ah, yes, my people, these are, these are my, <laughs> this, these are my kin. Sure. And, you know, like seeing that combined then with this music and rock, it was like, oh, what, mm -hmm. what is this new fantastical thing? Uh, well, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I have a quick elevator pitch for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is about a disenfranchised rock star who recounts her life story over the course of a terrible U.S. tour. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, that would suck. That would get anybody to watch, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like we're all just going to gush. Um, so, Julia, yeah. what are your most uh, nostalgic or favorite scenes? Oh, you can't just say God. the movie. <laughs> all of it. I love it. Uh, no, I, I, I have some very specific points that I wrote down because I was like, I, I have so many. I mean, I went way over. Um, first off, Origin of Love. I mean, just mm -hmm. just origin mm -hmm. of love, the whole the whole thing. I mean, the animation itself, um, absolutely stunningly fantastic. Um, all the animation in the movie was done by a woman named Emily Hubley. Mm -hmm. I hope that I'm pr pronouncing that correctly. But um, apparently she'd only ever done like really, really small scale personal projects before this. And. I don't know it. I think it was just such a wonderful choice to go with someone who would end up being so like sensitive and creative and very like i don't know it's there's an intentional childlike quality to it that i absolutely love there's you know just the whole song itself which is amazing uh i could gush about it for ages but <laughs> i would also say when she's got her head in the oven when hedwig <laughs> yeah. then hansel, hansel has his head in the oven and is listening to rock and roll mm -hmm. i mean just classic uh bishop in a turtleneck <laughs> <laughs> so of, of all the tackiness of, of the the purposeful tackiness in the movie that's the most tasteful oh, thing done i think it's so, it's so good it's funny and it's it's perfect it's like that's one of the most beautiful things about like kind of drag culture in general is it is like a beautiful tackiness oh, yeah. it's just oh, kind yeah. of it's, it's, it's purposeful yeah. it's purposeful it's done with yeah. intent yeah yeah, yeah. Ah, it's like uh, it's it's always there's always a, a you know tongue firmly planted in your cheek mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. always that kind of little giggle at the end. But the last <laughs> one I had was a very particular line: "The bra in the dryer, it warps." <laughs> because I had that exact same conversation like four or five times oh, yeah. as a teenager, living with you know parents who you know I was the oldest kid and they'd never had someone with tits before so yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> like okay 
gotta gotta figure out how to do this so there was definitely a lot of times quoting that particular line uh sure. in laundry <laughs> oh yeah this movie taught me that um i can proudly say i've only dried a bra a couple times uh for partners when i'm like oh and i understand what a cardinal sin it is when i've done it and it's like i'll be at the laundromat folding stuff and I'm like oh fuck that went through <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't put a bra on the dryer uh, right before that happens in the movie, the other bandmates are testing a bottle of bleach by, <laughs> by smelling it and then tasting it. <laughs> I didn't catch that. It's, it's right in the background. Everything, there's layers. Every scene has so many oh great layers. God. Oh, yeah. This it's movie's deeper really, than a Simpsons episode. Really well done. Like background comedy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, you can see something new every uh-huh. single time. Every Watch time. it every yes. single time. The yep. last thing I wrote down was, of course, the final scene, the the big, you know, finale with Hedwig stumbling through the alleyway. Yeah, I and, that down too. Uh, just like, uh, I mean, it. What else is there to say? It's yeah. It's um for for people who haven't been through film school, it's a it's a film school. I mean, not not to put it down, but like it's a very film school way of symbolizing rebirth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, out the canal and like naked into the world. But ironically, not studied much in film school. Like I, this movie, oh, no joke. the only thing that makes me mad about this movie, which I mean, I've got a couple nitpicks we'll get into in a little bit. But yeah. one of the only things that makes me mad about this movie is that it's like, dude, I went to film school. I took like a, so many classes on film form and like all this kind of stuff. And no one talks about this movie. Mm-hmm. Not even like a cheeky little like, oh, little reference to it or anything. It's just, nope, nope we don't talk about this one. Yeah. Uh, also, one of my favorite scenes, just the end. Like I, I recognized it for its form, and it's it's masterful, you know, performance. When I first watched the movie, even before I studied film and all this stuff, so it was like, it's just really well made. It, at the end of the day, it's just a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about uh, you, Chuck? Yeah, some scenes we didn't touch on, just because everything I uh, ditto to everything you just said. Um, but. Wig in a Box is, I think, oh. my favorite, like, actual, not my favorite song in the movie, but my fa- favorite musical number. Um, that whole thing is just masterful, where it's like she's just completely broken because she's just been basically dumped. Yeah. Just as the Barwin wall falls, too, which is perfect. I mean, just like it's one of those, like, fuck me, I could have stayed home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I even have a note in here that's something like, uh, big shit left yeah big shit bag gets left by luther mom also leaves berlin wall falls yeah <laughs> uh, no exactly it's like one of those i was trying to change my life and then it's just like oh it, if i would have waited like a week yeah <laughs> which like i mean i did a little research on east berlin apparently they actually legalized homosexuality in 1968 i believe but continued policing it and like demonizing people all the way up to the 80s mm-hmm. until the wall fell basically weird so it's like yeah. it's like weed basically yeah but like, <laughs> it's like hey man like it's totally cool that this is happening but also uh, i'm gonna write you a ticket for being gay yeah basically it's like you can touch my butt if you want but don't touch it too much because i might report you <laughs> well, um speaking of uh all of that my one of my other favorite scenes we didn't talk about is just the courtship of uh hansel who at the time hansel uh by luther mm-hmm. which is the whole like literally like the Hansel and Gretel kind of thing going on of like luring with the candy and all of that stuff is so fucking good. It's um, different from a gummy bear. <laughs> exactly. Which I have some favorite lines from that whole scene that are, we'll get I, into the band names later. I, I feel so optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just showing, yeah. Just a mouthful of sugar. And like, I feel so optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> also, like just 
the color, the way the colors oh. are used mm-hmm. in this movie, like I have so many notes just about the colors, but the gummy bears specifically yeah. are like, you could read into that so deeply. Sure. <laughs> um, and then a final one that we just didn't touch on um, is just during the performance of uh, Angry Inch, someone just yells like a homophobic slur and then a full on bar brawl breaks out. Yes. And all the homophobes get their asses handed to them. It's fucking amazing. Um, and then a very, very minute scene within that scene is Hedvig is explaining her um, sex op surgery, like mm-hmm. in some pretty graphic detail and like what happened and what transpired. Mm-hmm. And there's because she plays just like random diners and like parking lots and things like that. There's one guy who clearly was did not get the memo. There's going to be a show. And he's just there and she's like describing in vivid detail. And he's just like, <sighs> like, he's just trying to eat his like steak or whatever. And he has yeah. clearly lost his appetite because we're talking about like cutting open genitalia. Yeah. It's just like, man, I just wanted this was my one day to go to Sizzler. <laughs> you had to ruin my one night at Sizzler. <laughs> There's also a, another great shot in that scene where Hedwig is like soaring over the chaos. One of my favorite shots. Yeah, I have that in my like shot list thing later some kind of god <laughs> the, the slow motion leading up to that when she's crouching down and got the angry face and yeah. launches off so good so emotive just man this movie's so good yeah you're gonna hear it a lot yeah yeah so just, good this, this is a gusher like it's there's no no there's no um and then it's really quick and before we get into anything <laughs> negative while we're still in the happy place um what uh you know not necessarily a category but like what's like your favorite favorite outfit and favorite song <gasps> oh golly i mean if i'm going for pure like pure camp and fun and like just delightfulness then uh Sh- sugar daddy yeah mm-hmm. just top notch but if i'm going for like Oh, it's like a car wash. Yeah. <laughs> Just smacking that octogenarian in the face with her crotch. Come on, sugar daddy, bring them home. That's, that's a real part of the, the stage performance. Nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, went to the, the, uh, she went to the same like seat every night. So oh. no matter who was sitting there, I got the treatment. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and kind of off topic, but the way, having seen both the film and the stage production, you can compare. It's so cool to see how it translated so, so well from the way it was staged to the way that they adapted it for the film. Like sometimes you adapt, you know, something one way or the other and it feels clunky and it feels Mm -hmm. awkward and it just doesn't work. But Hedwig, like it worked in theater. It looked worked live. It works, you know, so which, movie. which stage did you, which performance did you get to see? So I got to see uh, Darren Chris and, oh goodness, I'm completely blanking on their Yitzhak, but she was absolutely amazing. I believe Lena something. Um, and it was in SF okay. at, oh, blanking on the name, of course. It was in, in <laughs> SF. At a, it was at a theater. Right on. <laughs> it was at a place where they do things. <laughs> it was at a theater. They have shows there. Sometimes the shows have singing. Uh, so <laughs> buddy of mine happened to have uh, an extra ticket and was like, hey, do you want to come? Some of us are going. And sure. it was, uh, you know, a singular kind of experience. Mm-hmm. It was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. Yeah, we haven't talked about it much, but this was this started off as a stage show. Yes. Um, in 1998. Yes. Uh, this movie came out in 2001, but um, yeah, and it's it's like had a long run. It's been through several different casts. 
Um, it toured everywhere, um, all over the world. And it had a had its own momentum before the movie was even filmed. So it was just, yeah, it was its, its own thing. In my research, one of the things that I found was that, um, oh, first off, a lot of the original kind of off-Broadway cast members are also the same folks who are in the movie. Yep. Uh, and Stephen Trask, mm -hmm. I believe his name is, uh, who wrote all of the music yep. and all of the lyrics for everything. Um, uh, David or David Carmen Mitchell, I'm probably butchering that. John John Cameron. John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Jeez. I, I, John had, I had to memorize Jingle it too. Irishman. It's three names. Come on. <laughs> too many names. Two names. Uh, John Cameron Mitchell uh, wrote the book, and mm -hmm. I believe they worked together to adapt it for the screen. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had. I want to say pretty much the entire original cast with some additional players because they had adapted it. It was, it was actually a New Line Cinema who funded the production. Mm. That was one of their demands was that they had John Cameron Mitchell and, and the original cast. So that was like, that was part of the stipulation for even making the movie. So that's, that's how that happened. That's incredible. Yeah. They, uh, they also had apparently a lot of trouble finding a space. So oh, the yeah. space that they landed on was like, I mean, you couldn't find a more perfect space for this show to go up. And it was like at all at different times, like a ballroom, uh, a sailor's bar, like a sailor club, uh, a sex club and uh, a punk venue. Nice. So it's, it's in the meatpacking district in New York, which, oh, which is better, <laughs> which is not a uh, like you have to be pretty adventurous to go there. Yeah. Like already, you know, stunningly it's, it's, metaphorical though. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Very much so. <laughs> they, for, to make the stage show, they got somebody to buy a venue basically, and they built their own stage for it. So like before mm. the, before the show even went on, they had their own place. That's incredible. Where they did the first run of the show. So it's like, yeah, it's, um, there, there's a documentary. I don't think I mentioned it yet, but uh, I watched it. I loved it. It's called uh, "Whether You Like It or Not," Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and it, you'll you'll learn all this stuff. And it's on YouTube. It's free. It's in like hour forty five minutes, and it's uh, I'd say just as good as the movie because it's like got all the all the questions answered. Decompressing it with it uh, after work today. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. That's gonna be the move later, I think for sure. Um, just just to because I also have like um, some things that I couldn't find anywhere else to fit, like in my favorite parts. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like a, a lost in translation section mm. that couldn't okay. quite fit in. So there's a lot of military terms um, and and not so many German ones, but um, the military stuff. Here's here's my nostalgic connection to this. I also went to high school in Germany and I also lived at Fort Riley, which is right next to Junction City, Kansas. And I was actually living in Fort Riley at the exact same time in the real in the real world that Hedwig was getting dumped in Junction City <laughs> that's, as, as, that's the, as the Berlin Wall fell. So I was like, I have this huge like connection. Like, that's my life. Are you Hedvig? I, I was like, I'm, Hedvig? Hedvig, I'm Hedvig's neighbor. E easily Hedvig's neighbor, you know. This is Luke. Hedvig uh, lives next door. Yeah. And it's like that That immediately, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, did they follow me around? And like, <laughs> that has they know. As fuck. They know was, too much. It was bizarre. But uh, Luther is a, um, he's a sergeant first class, which is an E7. There's only, it only goes up to E9. So he's a pretty high ranking uh, army uh, non-commissioned officer. So he has a lot of power, which comes across, you know, I mean, not to spoil the film, but Luther seduces Hedwig, convinces, uh, or Hansel, and convinces Hansel to get a sex change in order to get married so they can move back to 
the States, but it's like, and Luther's not in the film that long, but he has like this huge power dynamic. So it's like, and, and like, if you don't know the, the military insignia, like you wouldn't guess like, he's like a high ranking person. So uh, that's one thing. And then there's um, the bilge waters. Do, do either of you know what bilge is? I yes. Don't. Bilge. It's gross. So, <laughs> <laughs> so at the bottom of uh, a sailing vessel, there's essentially just kind of a, a nether space uh, that holds icky things. <laughs> it's, it's it's the very bottom of the inside of a boat wherever all the shit falls. It's all the poo-poo, all the piss, yep. all the any, you know, dead oil, things, oil, oil, gasoline, diesel, all the nasty shit. And all the restaurants that they play in, they're all these different uh, chains of the Bilgewater. Oh, <laughs> Like if, if, if you like the Bilgewater, Cincinnati, or whichever one it is. That's incredible. I did not catch that at all. Yeah, And then if you look at the, well, the the way they really filmed it is they found a defunct restaurant, like, and they, they filmed all the restaurant scenes in that one place. They just changed the, the angle of the filming. Oh. And the set design, if you, you can go back and watch it, you probably notice, but all the sinking ships mm-hmm. are paint, oh, yeah. painted on the walls. Yeah. So they they hit it by disguising it as a chain. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's really really brilliant. <laughs> like production, so brilliant. Yep. Use what you got. That's eh? right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I have. Like I, I figured, like oh, there's um the PX. I guess I, didn't, I did write that down. The base PX. Does that make any sense to anybody? No. So oh, so on, maybe. <laughs> well, on a military base, the place you go to buy things like a, a Walmart is yes. it called a personal exchange or PX or BX or base exchange like they change the names all the time but that's like it's like the, a little five and dime oh uh, no it's actually like a walmart it's actually like the big oh, the big place on it's a big base. five and dime <laughs> it's, the, it's the big place that you go and get like everything you need from furniture to clothes to you know school supplies or whatever so like I, and they never like mentioned that in the movie they never explain it so i thought maybe listeners and people would like to know yeah hell yeah and that's like all military bases yeah that's pretty much what i got my my favorite scene is the bible i mean the whole movie i couldn't write couldn't write down but i really like the rebirth yeah at the end i like the the realization the the final song you know of uh tommy and mm. to- as tommy walks away mm-hmm. like that was just yeah i was crying sorry oh yeah no please I mean, we no i sobbed like a little baby boy like a yeah. sweet little baby boy <laughs> like it like, was it's moving it is it has so much heart i don't have like a lot of i don't identify with too many of the characters but i can feel yeah. what they're going through you know it's like it's one of those where it's like, even if you haven't had this specific experience in your life, everyone can empathize with the feeling of, you know, feeling left behind or mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, they don't quite fit in their skin and, you know, trying to find, you know, some kind of balance. Maybe, you know, you have a lover who does you dirty and, you know, there's there's something in there that anyone can relate to, even if you can't relate to like the the really big like in your face parts of the movie the more subtle kind of nuances of it they're just like brimming packed yes delightful and the the whole film teeters on comedy and sadness Mm. failure you know so it's like you're you're bouncing back and forth constantly and finally just pulls the rug out from you at the end yeah it's it's good it's good so it really rides that line so perfectly yeah I mean, if you guys are game for it, I wrote down some of my favorite lines as well because some of the silliest ones. Do you want to save it for the band name section? Sure, sure. Or I mean, also. We can get there. We are actually 
like a half an hour in already. So okay, we should maybe move we along. should move along a little bit. Um, <laughs> in that case, we talked about everything that's awesome about this movie. Um, what is uh, any worst scenes or moments you could forget, Julia? Oh, I had a couple. So uh, the relationship between Tommy and Hedwig, as a teenager watching it, you're like, this makes sense. As an adult watching it, it's like, hmm, it happens. Like to to write it off completely is to ignore like lots of very valid experiences that people have had in mm. their lives. And especially in like gay world, you know, until, you know, not too very long ago, it was not uncommon to have, you know, an older person, you know, taking a younger person under their wing and kind of introducing them to gay life. And, you know, there was a lot of oral tradition where you were passing on, you know, the culture from individual to individual. Mm. And a lot of that was done with those kind of older mentor mentee relationships. And, you know, Looking at it through a modern lens, is there like a heightened ick factor? Sure. But it's still, it still to me rings true for the characters and for the situation and for the period of time that this is set in. And so for me, it doesn't complete, it doesn't really like it. I still love the movie. Sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're, like, you're dancing. You're dancing around it. Yeah, for me, it's just you know, it's just all the grooming of Tommy. That's what I don't like. Um, like it's it's pretty visceral to just like jump in with uh, you know, she was his babysitter. Yeah, and she just like without his knowledge just jacks him off in a bathtub. That's pretty. That's you know, some consent uh, not being asked for taken there. And, Getting a yeah. little species spicy. I'm curious. Um, in the play. Tommy is Hedwig, right? How did they handle that being just one person? Or, or did they? From what I remember, I don't think we ever saw Tommy in the flesh. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, I think there was one part where you kind of saw, it was towards the end of the production and, uh, or towards the end of the, the show. And, uh, it was like in those last kind of final moments, Wicked Little Town reprise, where Darren Chris, who that night was playing Hedwig, because they would switch off, that particular performance, he would just like strip down and become Tommy Gnosis mm -hmm. in that moment. Right on. And so I think if I remember correctly, and I'm sure someone will be out there to, to tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe that was how they handled it because there was the stage production in SF, the touring production was very small cast. It okay. was like, it was essentially framed to be the band Hedwig and the audience. And the idea, at least in this particular production was almost like you're there for a concert mm -hmm. and Hedwig just happens to be telling you the story of her life. Right. And it actually has the same, it, it's the same kind of feeling that the Menses Fair yeah. evokes where there's the, the goth kid who yeah. uh, comes up and sits with, with Hedwig. It was that same Story kind giant. of vibe. Yeah. It was that same. And because the theater was small, I think it was actually maybe the film work, um, because the theater was small. It felt intimate. It sure. felt like a small concert and because of the way they'd staged it. It, you know, you could have been there for a punk show. Yeah. It was 
chef's kiss. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of chef's kiss, uh, yeah. Uh, for this movie's cocktail, uh, we have, you know, we're filming in the morning, so don't worry, we're not really drinking. Um, we're just having a little rainwater, darling. With little rainwater and Everclear. Um, so a little rainwater and Everclear. Uh, we have two drops of rose water, just to give it a little kiss. Is that what that kiss. is? I was wondering what that little subtle sweetness is. I was like, that's not what Everclear tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> An ounce and a half of very high proof vodka. And sparkling spring water. Serve the ingredients over ice as you lust over your teenage muse. <laughs> <laughs> the ASMR segment of the show. There you go. <laughs> um, and with that, I think we're going to take a quick little break. Let's take our fake head break. Yeah. All right. We're back for Act 2, The Evidence Board. Ooh, Evidence Board. The trivia, making of, behind the scenes, casting, etc., etc. Um, yeah, released in 2001. Uh, this movie cost $6 million to make. Uh, sadly, it only raked in $3.6 million. Um, I'd, I'd love to point out that it, it premiered at Sundance, and it won two awards and got nominated for another one. So it, it won Best Director, and it, it won the Audience Award. Um, and it got nominated for the Grand Jury Prize, all for John Cameron Mitchell directing. Yeah, it was it was nominated for like some obscene number of awards as well. It was, like, it was a hit at Sundance. It was the the thing to see. Like so, despite its you know three million intake. Oh yeah, it's a commercial flop, but it's like a cult favorite and yeah. just like a fan favorite through yep. and through. Yeah. Um, written and directed, as we've said before, by John Cameron Mitchell. Most of the vocals in the film were also recorded live. To keep up the intensity of the scenes, that was, that was kind of fun. Really, was that really was not good. something so, I knew. So the music was uh, live tracked in the back and then sung live. So it was like real music coming through. You get the ambience of the of the restaurants that yeah. they were, that they were in. Yeah, the sound is perfect. Like it really conveys. It's not overdubbed. If it was dubbed, you would hear it and you'd be like, "Oh, this is fucking fake." Yeah. No, it's a real live punk show, and that's that's how they captured it. That actually explains a lot because it's so the. There are discrepancies between the this the actual recording and the movie and quite frankly I love the recording but the movie it's better. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pitt complained about uh being very uncomfortable during the kissing scenes but is not due to the fact that uh they were engaging in same-sex kissing. It was about the kissing itself uh because um John Cameron Mitchell was constantly regrowing stubble yeah. throughout the t the filming. And then because, you know, Hedwig has to have her face on, Mitchell would be in full makeup the entire time. And so it would just be like slowly protruding underneath. So they would literally just have to like kind of spot shave and spot wipe, like just like, okay, we're gonna take a little chunk of makeup off, makeup off here, shave the chin, quick, put the makeup back on. We got to roll, baby. Oh, they, they talked about it in the documentary. They didn't even take the makeup yeah, off. Yeah, that's oh, what no. I found. Just shaving they, they over it, do the like, makeup, and then touch up. And yeah, then go. like just shaving over. And I mean, that's, if you've ever met a drag queen, <laughs> 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 or 
<laughs> which I've I've only met a few. I've only had the privilege, but uh, you know, beards are a thing. If you're doing a couple shows in a day, or in this case, if you're filming all day long, you yep. you might take um, some of my favorites. Talk about taking you know cheeky cheeky drag showers where you leave the whole face on, you tie up the hair, and yep. you get in the shower, you wash all the sweat it's, off. And, it's a lot of work to to put yourself up. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it's a uh, yeah. You got to take the lesser of two, you know, evils or whatever. Like you gotta. It's a brilliant, masterful art form, but my goodness, is it physically uncomfortable? Uh huh. And then that's why that's one of the reasons I respect it so much because like the work that goes into it, it's it is an art. And like it's and it takes craftsmanship. Yes. To do like it's a thing. And we've already talked about it, obviously being based on the off Broadway play. Um, but the character of Hedvig existed as a drag act well before, um, created by Mitchell. So Hedvig is cited actually as being one of the first drag show characters ever to incorporate a full fictitious backstory and live band into their act. Mm -hmm. They they started at a club where they were having real punk shows with drag acts doing covers. And Hedwig was like the the brainchild of John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask. Right. And they, they wanted to do something different with it. They wanted to actually have original music and a story with it. And it just fucking took off. Well, the character of Hedwig is such an interesting one, too, because uh, it's based off of his real life babysitter. Yeah. John Cameron Mitchell (laughs) is an army brat like I'm like me. And he he grew up in these places and like he had the the babysitter was also a sex worker. Yes. She was an East German. uh, I believe in his bio, he said it was like East German part time prostitute. Yeah. And, uh, you know clearly made quite an impact and i mean (laughs) that's one of the things that drag kind of very lovingly pays homage to is these women who are fascinating colorful characters who unfortunately end up kind of often being demonized by society and not really given the chance to you know we we think of like a a quirky little guy and go well that's a quirky little guy and a funny little man (laughs) but no one looks at a woman you know it necessarily and and says the same thing right Yeah. yeah very true um yeah as we said before not a commercial hit but a huge cult hit um so much so that a perfume company called demeter actually released a hedvig scent uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, apparently, it smelled like very powdery cosmetics and cigarettes. Oh, my so, goodness. So, so failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Aroma of a woman. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, like I've said before, there's a there's a making of documentary called uh, Whether You Like It or Not, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And I recommend everybody check it out, especially if you, know, you check out Hedwig as well. One fun oh. fact that I found, and it's perhaps a, a a very obvious fun fact, but the references to uh, Plato's Symposium, and because I looked this up specifically for this podcast, <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar with what Plato's Symposium is, it's a collection of conversations and speeches by uh, Plato, Socrates, Alcibiades, and the... Um, playwright Aristophanes and uh, it's musings on the idea of Eros Mm -hmm. and love and uh, origin of love specifically draws from a very particular speech in the symposium where I believe it's Plato discusses uh, 
you know, the origins of, of love and the origins of mankind. And of course, Cyrus doesn't feature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it draws really heavily from that kind of Greek uh, philosophy. And I mean, it's it certainly adds to, you know, the layers of the film. Yes. Um, for cast, we have John Cameron Mitchell, who also directed... <clears throat> which is insane that, that's a you must hate yourself oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to on, on top of being in drag in makeup to do a take step off to watch that take to make sure you got it for however long they filmed this thing that, that's insanity and like during the documentary you can see him kind of wither and like ah, no wonder well, yeah. his beard to, was growing back in die. yeah, yeah <gasps> was, this movie's so like tech like just technically speaking like it's a fucking powerhouse so yeah like i can't imagine directing it not being on camera but yeah just yeah. i guess that adds an insane layer to it knowing that it's like oh no hedvig is the one planning out these super complicated fucking shots and like making these editing notes and like yeah i i don't get it mm -hmm. wouldn't it, be right if she didn't yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> but it is just so intentional everything yep. every single shot has so much purpose and i mean sometimes it does kind of lean into like that one you're staring directly into someone's eyes but it's impactful and it's it's done tastefully and it works one one favorite shot i didn't get to mention well, well, we'll probably mention during the shots I'll yeah wait. we'll get to the I'll deacons wait. yeah <laughs> but uh yeah um usual suspects um, I didn't do a uh, full disclosure. Um, we kind of we did two episodes this week back to back, and it's Memorial Day weekend. I know this is just a cop out and excuse, but I did not really do a ton of research on this movie. Well, here's the here's the the tricky part. Did you find any Julie? You didn't. Usual suspects. Remind me what that means. <laughs> no, I'll, well, I'll just go ahead and give you mine. So for me, I spent like four hours trying to find one. Mm -hmm. It was not easy. So this is. Um, <gasps> oh, this is cameos. Well, no, this is actors in the film who have worked with other actors in previous films that we've done. Connections. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and fucking hell. Like, I mean, we've done, uh, this is the 14th episode, and we still don't have, like, a, a pool of them to draw from, and mm -hmm. it's really hard. So we've got um, Alberta Watson plays Hedwig's mom. She was Dade Murphy's mom in Hackers. Who is also um, who, who stars Matthew Lillard, who was in Serial Mom. Mom. There we go. Ah. So that's that's the usual the only usual suspect between this movie and anything we've done yet. So, so there you go. There we go. Um, for nitpicks uh, slash thanks, I hated it. Um, yeah, I already touched on it personally, but um, uh, the grooming of Tommy is very icky, and we just kind of gloss yep. over it. And as Julia had said before, this is not really my uh, battle to, you know, not my hill to die in, nothing really there. But, uh, you know, she mentioned the whole um, older people in the gay community taking younger people under their wing. If, yeah, if very you watch, gray area. And I have no leg to stand on, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. <laughs> if, you, if you look at who Luther left with, that boy was pretty young, too. Oh, yeah. No, that's also like one of those things that's kind of uh, not fun. It's fun in a dark way of just like, oh, Luther force this person to get a sex change when that's not what Luther likes. Luther is very much into younger men, not younger trans people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the more kind of like, it, 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 it's just such a excellent kind of hard shift because you go from like <laughs> everything is hunky-dory and fantastic to just womp. Yep. <laughs> 
literally falling into the easy chair in the trailer. Yeah. I did notice that stuff, but like, yeah, it it is bad. It should, it shouldn't have happened, but there's also describing trauma. Yeah, exactly. And and creating characters. And then like, yeah, I'm good. Part of this will tie into my hot take later. So yeah. Right on. Yeah, I think in a similar vein, you know, the relationship between Yitzhak and Hedwig, that was kind of one of my few nitpicks was like this in a is very abusive. It's like shockingly abusive. And you do get resolution at the end uh, that, you know, I don't think really clears everything up, but it certainly is like, okay, this is a start. Yeah. That was probably one of the things that shocked me the most on this rewatch was like, oh, wow, this is not like, this is not like cute fun. Like, I'm like, you know. And it was, it was still about Hedwig. Yeah. At the end. It was about when Hedwig starts to let go. It's oh, like, yeah. It she was never. Yeah. It's never Itzhak's. There's uh, Yitzhak when... is the, is the saddest sad boy in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart. Also, you've got to be so. Just real quick non sequitur on Yitzhak. You've got to be so down. You've got to be such a beaten horse to see. Um a cruise ship rendition of Rent as your golden ticket out. Going to Guam. I'm going to Guam. (laughs) I'm getting out and I'm going to Guam and you can't stop me. (laughs) This is so bad. I want to perform the same show for 18 hours a day on a boat in the Caribbean sun. (laughs) For like six months or something it was. Yeah. Yeah. And one interesting fun fact I found about Yitzhak is that... uh, I guess the original idea with the character was that he was supposed to be read as a cisgender man. Like, he's just supposed to be a dude, but they've always had the character played by a woman to just Mm -hmm. be like, "Uh, fuck it, why not? And so nowadays you could absolutely read that character as a trans man who just happens to enjoy doing drag. Mm -hmm. Or you can read it as a cisgender man who loves drag who happens to be played by a woman. I think it goes into their metaphor. You said it earlier, two ships passing. Yeah. So as Hedwig goes one way, it's like goes the other. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the actual shift when they. Well, that was one of my notes too, is that, uh, a lot of Yitzhak and Hedwig's relationship mirrors Yitzhak and, or not Yitzhak, Hedwig and Luther's relationship. Yeah. The, the power shift changed. Yeah. Hedwig had, had power over somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, the a lot of the abuses of that power, I think, are, are also echoed. Yep. And in that way, you know, it's, again, kind of justified by the character going through the journey that they're going through. But mm-hmm. at the same time, on the rewatch is kind of like, yeah, it's a big ball of ick. It's just tra- it's transitive drama. The factor you know? is it's- strong with this one. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Oh, dear. Um, oh dear, oh my, I think it's about time for another ad break. All right. All right. We'll see y'all uh, in just a second. Cut that part out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're back with Act 3 Awards and Categories. <laughs> So, uh, who won the movie? Oh, easy. Um, obviously, John Cameron Mitchell. I mean, he is the movie. Yeah. Like, he's Hedwig. He's the writer. He's the director. He's the design yeah. of it. Yeah. Yep. He's all of it. He's he's the queen. He is the queen. Yep. But Yeah, and like, not to undersell Stephen Trask, but like, still, even with Stephen Trask's help, like, his movie's just John Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Stephen Trask wasn't directing. No, exactly. John, John 
Cameron Mitchell ones. Yeah. yeah. I, I split it between uh, Hedwig and Yitzhak because uh, Miriam Shore, who plays Yitzhak, yeah. delivers such a powerfully nuanced and subtle performance. And one of my notes is like in the last scene, there's so much, there's like this huge conversation that happens between Yitzhak and Hedwig and almost nothing is said. It's just underneath the song. Yep. And it's like only a few beats, but the amount of communication that happens in those few beats is like, there are actors who've been, you know, working for decades who like are still trying to find that, you know, like that is just, again, chef's kiss. Yes, <laughs> totally agree. When I first watched it, I didn't realize the Itzhak was being played by a woman. I was like completely blown away by the transition. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I just thought it was another like drag queen within a bad like spear gum beard. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, she's fucking amazing. Um, I feel like this one might run really long. Uh, my new band name. Yeah. A oh. memorable quote or reference that would make a cool edgy band name and what genre would so said many. band be. So yeah, many. this movie is just quips and lines. Mm -hmm. It's so it's, fucking it's well written. Extremely poetic. Yeah. So many uh nuance and so I, profound things. I personally spoken. have like fucking 10, so I'm just gonna like cherry pick the ones I like. Get into <laughs> so it. I'll let you guys, uh, if anyone wants to start. Uh, I mean, one of the things that I wrote down was just Jesus said the darndest things. <laughs> 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 Jesus said the darndest things. And I feel like it would be um, maybe not even a band, more like a, a talk show, like a religious talk show. It's like, hi, I'm Betty Lou, and this is Jesus said the darndest things. <laughs> uh, that was definitely one that, that jumped out right away. Yeah. Also, uh, teaching limbless children to sculpt. <laughs> Well, Which is his mother's profession in East Berlin after the war. I totally missed that. Uh, yeah, it's like my mother's profession was teaching limbless children to sculpt. <laughs> or something like that. Or like teaching sculpture to limbless kids or something. It, it was just, it's so oh, yeah. good. <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I'll try and just speed run a bunch of these really fast. Um, this is in reference to Yitzhog. Um, my man Friday through Thursday. Yeah, uh, oh, they would yeah. be an indie band for sure. Um, Aunt Trudy's Pelt, the nineties yeah, alt Pelt. revival like style band. Uh, you know, they kind of would sound like Smashing Pumpkins or something like that. Um, <laughs> just reference to uh, she's doing a really fun Midwestern accent, and she's like, "Don't you hate wearing all those furs? What what animal had to die? In yeah, order for you wear that? what animal had to die for you to wear that? And then she's yeah, like, "Oh, this is my Aunt Trudy's Pelt." Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, a Trail of Rainbow Carnage. Yeah, I got that too. Uh, that would be like a white belt screamo band. Like yeah. that would be like Blood Brothers level, just kind of like, <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, very. Uh, <laughs> I also have Korean mom band on here. Yeah. I feel like that would be like a Midwestern That's, emo band. They play are, a lot those of Those are like, things I saw on military bases growing up. Like, a, a, I don't yeah. I don't doubt it. A yep. beautiful Korean mom band. Mm -hmm. <laughs> playing, playing in like a, 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 a Dairy Queen or whatever they were in. Ah. Oh. You gotta love it. You gotta love the DIY spirit. Yep. Uh, I have bears of non-Aryan origin. They would be a queer hip hop group. <laughs> uh, Hedvig says, uh, and there was the packaging, panting gummy bears of non-Aryan origin gazing out at me. <laughs> it's a line from one of her songs, but uh, Midwest Checkout Queen. 
Mm. It would be a grunge, like, shoegaze band. <laughs> Travel exhausts me, which is one of my favorite things she says to Tommy in the entire movie. Because uh, he's, like, showing her, like, shitty Americana classic rock, like, Kansas Oh, yeah. It's like Kansas, Chicago, Chicago America. America. It's like, Travel exhausts me. <laughs> <laughs> but they would be, like, a shitty classic rock cover band. Um, and then my last one is uh, Same Bluish Pain, which I thought was mm. really poetic and beautiful. Um, that's how she describes gazing into Tommy's eyes for the first time. They would obviously be like a Midwestern emo band. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, you know, grooming aside, I get it. Like Michael Pitt's a fucking babe in this movie. Like, <laughs> it's like, I was yeah, there a couple scenes where I'm like, mm, all right, I see where we're coming from with this one. <laughs> I also have a few quotes where it's like, this might be, this might be what the Midwestern emo band uses as their intro. So one that I wrote down uh, is, from this milkless tit, you sucked the very business we call show. Oh, I fucking, yeah. Milkless tit. Milkless tit. It's just like, it's delicious to say. The other one that I just absolutely loved was, I tried singing once in Berlin. They threw tomatoes. Afterwards, I went home and had a nice salad. <laughs> They reference that a lot. Like I, I, I had to pause the movie when that happened because I just laughed forever. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of visual references to like, you know, um, getting booed off stage and taking it with pride because uh, like his like he's singing when he's still and I'm sorry to misgender, but I think like it's I think he's still Hansel at the time. Um, he's like singing in the oven as a boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, to shut him up, mom, mom's like cooking dinner and she's like peeling stewed tomatoes and to shut uh, Hansel up. She just pelts him. And then he just like takes it like on the chin. He starts eating it. And grabs it. a bite of tomato. <laughs> and then it's just like, where was I? And starts singing again. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> oh, another one I had that would definitely be at the start of a, an emo uh, song was, but I love you. Then love the front of me, honey. <laughs> Can you picture that? And then it's some sick breakdown. Just. <laughs> <laughs> No, while we're on the subject of music, um, this is also just like a quick fun fact. Um, I guess the band Type O Negative, who are like a like kind of doom gothy metal band. Yeah. Um, they have a like they're one of the few bands that I was able to discover in my research who actually have like covers of like this album. Mm -hmm. um, they apparently do a very like heavy version of uh I got an angry inch. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd be interested yeah, to hear that. I'm very that. familiar with them. Yeah. Oh, I'd be very curious about that. I did have uh, one person who did a poop who's uh, not aged well from this movie. Oh, you got it canceled? You got it. I got it canceled, boy. Uh -oh. uh, poor little Michael Pitt. Oh, no. Yeah, little Michael Pitt, baby boy. Uh, unfortunately, had uh, a bit of a run-in with the law in 2022. Oh, recent. Yeah, I got mm. charged with uh, assault and larceny. Oh. Petty larceny. Petty larceny. So, <laughs> not, not real larceny. Not just real just larceny, petty, just petty, petty larceny. larceny. Just a bit of petty larceny. So unfortunately, Baby Boy um, is not really working too much now, but he was in Boardwalk mm -hmm. Empire, which mm -hmm. was fantastic. I think he was in, yeah. He was in a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, but <laughs> he was on, on TV a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he did, I think, uh, Ghost in the Shell too. He was also in Ghost in the Shell. That's he had, right. a, a, I think it was... Kube? Kube? The Scarlett Johansson one? Or? Yeah, the, yeah, the ScarJo one. ScarJo. The one, the one that is not acknowledged. <laughs> yeah. The, the whitewashing. Yeah. Well, he was also briefly in uh, Seven Psychopaths. Oh. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I like didn't recognize him. And then just to skip ahead then, um, while we're on that, is that Channing Tatum in a dog collar award? Uh, I'm going to give that one to Michael Pitt. Um, I know it's not a cameo or a bit part, but yeah, he's just one of those actors. He's one of the few people in this film that I'm like, oh, like I recognize him from so much. Like hmm. for me, it's funny games personally. Like that will hmm. always be my Michael Pitt movie where I'm like, see, I was going to give it to Rosie O'Donnell. I got Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, Rosie yeah. O'Donnell. She's in it for five seconds, but it's, it's like, like a two little second little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing about that is that's actually recycled footage from the Rosie O'Donnell show. So it was actually uh, John Cameron Mitchell on the Rosie show, like back in the 90s, promoting the stage play. <laughs> that is brilliant. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I suppose if you have like access to the footage and the person is supportive, like it's it's, yeah. it's cheaper to buy the footage than to get yeah. Rosie on it and exactly. set up a stage and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's good uh, filmmaking. Um, updated movie title for 2023. What would the title be? And if or what would it be? And if it was if it was released today? Also, what would it be if I could speak and say the category? Hmm. I got no change. Like, yeah, I got no change. It's an alluring title. Yeah. Angry Inch says so much. My only one is if you were going to try to be a little more subtle about it, um, just calling the movie Six Inches Forward and Five Inches Back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Six Inches Forward, five, in- five Inches Back would be, that could be many films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're really going for like, kind of like, uh, you know, that John Waters effect of like, oh, I'm going to pick this up and put it on for my kids kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, God. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a musical. <laughs> uh, we have the Roger Deakins would be proud award for cinematography. Um, I, we could just give it to the whole movie, but yeah, I, I have a couple thing. scenes yeah. and I know Luke does too. Mm-hmm. I've got the, the Laundry Forest. The Laundry Forest is mm-hmm. brilliant. It, and that was a, it's kind of an ad lib the cinematographer came up with. Really? Yeah, it huh. was. It was uh, on. They were on set, and it was kind of a, a joke. And they they had like to raid their their prop designer's panty drawer to like <laughs> hang more stuff up. But I I love how it starts off like kind of romantic, and then they keep cutting back and forth, and Hedwig starts going, "How long is this going?" Like it's kind of, kind <laughs> yes. of breaking the fourth wall, and then then it, she gets into it, and then yeah, it just goes on really long, and I just love that joke. Yeah, it's just really good. It's so funny. Another one that has a similar kind of vibe is the the forest of wigs. Yes, mm-hmm. Yitzhak buried amongst the wigs. I love that that room setup. They're, they're yeah. just all out, just like set up as if she's going to make a selection. Yeah, like why would you? <laughs> you're traveling. Why would you set everything out like that? Also, just like the view. There's movies just like fucking steeped in visual metaphor. Every yeah. like every yeah. scene. So it's just like the wig thing, just being like, oh yeah, like there is no room for Yitzog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it makes sense. Where would you sleep, Yitzog? These are my wigs. My wigs need the bed. My wigs need the couch. My wigs need the chair. Yeah. It it just helps to like reinforce everything while also being a really visually creative shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then right right before the underwear forest, there's Hedwig draws the plus sign on Tommy's face. Yeah. And she's holding up the mirror and it, it represents the, the artwork, the, the two people split. And it kind of brings them together to show that they're falling in love. But in that same moment, Tommy takes the mirror and it's just his face. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Yeah. Like fucking brilliant filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Just so good. The nuance. The nuance. Yeah. Um, things we didn't touch on. Uh, yeah. I mean, we touched on earlier, but just to kind of reiterate, like the fucking 
spinning camera while Hedvig the, is in the oven. The oven story time is really yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Hedvig's stage diving over the bar fight, we already mentioned, but yeah, it's a fucking contraplonge dub- double dolly shot. Like, that is such a... Like, They're saying spec- that five times fast. I know, that's such a specific... <laughs> like, not talking about vision, that's such a specific thing to fucking set up. Yep. Um, and then there's also one of my favorite moments in the film, um, as far as, like, just camera work and whatnot. There's a reverse dolly when Hedvig and Tommy uh, start to kiss. Mm. And then it cuts to an extremely under, like, process, stark, wide shot when Tommy acknowledges Hedvig's missing genitalia. Like Hedvig like reaches down towards the crotch area, or sorry, Tommy reaches down to Hedvig's crotch area, and then we just cut from this beautiful like color corrected, amazing like so much thought and detail put into the shot, and then just like, the nope. hard shifts, hard shift to like this is some raw footage of just the ugly set. Back to the trailer, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just so perfectly captures like again going back to the idea of there's something in this movie for everyone, even if you don't directly relate to the main characters. Everyone has had that experience where you're like, make it out with someone. It's getting real frisky. It's getting real spicy. And then someone farts or someone does something and you're just young enough or just awkward enough or Mm. you haven't been together long enough. Or, you know, someone calls out, you know, a name that they shouldn't have or something. And (laughs) and, the name comes home, whatever. Yeah. And then it's just everything comes to a screeching, grinding halt. Yep. And never goes back. So I think that's another one of those where it's like anyone can relate to that. But also from a filmmaking perspective, just the it's so crisp and so clean, the transition. It's mm-hmm. like it works so well. Yeah. We have the, oh, it's a sailboat award. <laughs> um, what are the themes or bigger messages that the director is trying to convey? Um, we've talked about it a lot already. But uh, personally, I think the biggest thing to take away from this movie is you can't love anyone uh, else until you love yourself. And also like often what we despise about our partners is really just a toxic projection of our own faults and insecurities. Um, and just seeing Hedwig's self-realization um, during a the word, I mean, it's not wordless, there's music obviously, but it's wordless as far as actual dialogue motivating the plot. Um, watching Hedwig's self-realization that she has actually become the Tommy Gnosis slash Luther to Yitzhak and she is Yitzhak. Yitzhak. Sorry, Yitzhak. <laughs> Yitzhak is his uh, Sorry, younger Vernon, brother, and <laughs> he plays for um, Da Bears. Verna Yitzhak. So Yitzhak. Sorry. Uh, yeah, seeing them kind of having Hedvig have that realization that it's just like, oh, I have, I am everything that I hate in the men who have hurt me throughout my life. And then you know, she literally passes the torch of the wig to Yitzhak and is like, hey, um, this is way too little too late, but uh, have this. I'm sorry for being the worst person in the world. Sorry for being a big old butt face. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just to kind of even add on top of that, one of the things that I took away from this particular rewatch as well, because again, every time you get something new, mm-hmm. uh, was that there uh, one thing that was kind of lost on me in my previous watches was the final animation and how you have the two kind of halves of the whole and then one half consumes the other half and it becomes the whole face. And I think as an adult rewatching this, having seen it when I was 15 and gone like, oh, it's about love and identity and all that stuff. It is, but also, you know, 
finding that within yourself and that sometimes if you spend too long searching for those bits in another person that are supposed to complete you that you can ignore parts of yourself that you could have been depending on the whole time and that you could have been you know utilizing and leaning on the whole time and I think it's as much about finding a partner that complements you and you know being able to express your identity as it is about finding something within yourself that is complementary and grounding and and you know learning how to integrate the two halves of yourself or the multiple halves of yourself into a whole i mean in jungian psychology they would call it you know <laughs> <laughs> no it's like it upsets me this movie isn't studied more like in film school because it is like there's so much fucking going on it's like yeah. Yeah. Even from like a literary perspective, you could take this apart metaphor by metaphor mm -hmm. and have a whole dissertation waiting for you at the end. Like mm -hmm. it's so rich with symbols. And part of that is, you know, the literal art that they so masterfully included in. It was honestly one of the things that I genuinely missed about the stage production is that you you kind of need the the art you kind of yeah. are, you miss the the animations and the childlike quality that it gives to it and the the innocence and the kind of naivete that it has and uh it just it's so like it's stunning there's no other word for it it's a stunning film mm -hmm. it's, you got its issues but you know sure it wouldn't be it wouldn't be perhaps as stunning if it didn't have something that made it imperfect you know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Like Hedwig herself. <gasps> it's all come full circle. <laughs> um, we have the Hans Gruber Death Fall Award awarded to villains with satisfying death scenes. And uh, you know what? Mm. I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm just going to, you know, grasp at them straws. I think this movie does have a Hans Gruber Award. Uh, it's the death of Hedwig's ego. Yes. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, when Hedvig, like, kind of realizes, like, oh, there is more to this than just my side of the story and just who I am. And they lean into it as a death. Like, mm -hmm. it's, I think the words that I have written down are Hedwig dissolves. Yeah. 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 Hedwig dissolves. Uh, and it's, you can kind of see it. It's like this persona just breaks down. And it is a death in mm -hmm. a way. Yep. Uh, controversial hot takes, anyone? Uh, what would make someone rewatch this with a different point of view? I mean, I think just growing up, being yeah. older, having more life experiences. I mean, even just speaking for myself on this rewatch, like I keep saying it, but I found something totally new in each of the things that, you know, were still familiar and nostalgic and lovely. And so <laughs> it was but it was through the lens of someone who's had more experiences, who's had more opportunities to kind of go out and get hurt and get back up and, sure. you know, make mistakes and make choices that are perhaps questionable. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, me, who? <laughs> uh, you know, it, as you get older and as you kind of find yourself more, there's always new things to take away from this. And, that's probably, I guess, my uh, my 10 cents on it. I just wrote down, take me. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> take me, it, daddy, I'm yours. <laughs> the, uh, the the first costume, the cape, inside it says, Yankee, go home. Yeah. And the other side is with me. I never saw the with me before. Watching oh, yeah. it this time. Like, That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't even know if it's necessarily a hot take 
or controversial, but uh, my only thing is like, yeah, Hedvig is the villain of this film. Mm. She yeah. is, uh, you know, much like the duality that is constantly at play in the movie. She is both the hero and the villain. Mm -hmm. um, every pretty much, I mean, aside from like, you know, getting shortchanged by Luther and things like that, every, you know, oof, she likes to turn that blade on herself and others. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then again, and that's kind of what I was going to say, too, is like earlier, I was like, oh, I'm put a pin in that. Um, I feel like a lot of, aside from grooming stuff aside, I think like a lot of any kind of terrible things in this film that you could, you know, I don't want to write them off, but it's just like, oh, no, that is part of the, her character arc and that is part of her growth. And that is part of like the toxicity that is Hedvig for like a good half the film. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you get real psychological with it, you could also say that, you know, she... Tommy is safe in a way because he's young and he's malleable and she can kind of shape him into the perfect person for her. Mm -hmm. And it kind of speaks to Hedwig's own youthful mentality in the sense that she's she's quite innocent when she initially leaves with Luther. I mean, you could even say that she's, you know, quite naive and... The Gummy Bears, a, a, a pretty good example of that. But, you know, it's it's almost like she's trying to, again, recreate yeah. her own experiences. And but in a safe way where she's not getting hurt. Mm -hmm. But, of course, deep irony. <laughs> um, is it time for another Spider-Man? Uh, do we need a remake? If so, why? Um, no. <laughs> So it's funny, apparently John Cameron Mitchell is actually planning this as a trilogy. Oh, really? So I found like only one article that mentioned it, but hmm. he said apparently that if he had his druthers, uh, it would be a trilogy kind of spanning Hedwig's life and it would also kind of span his life and that this kind of second installment would be about middle age and then the final installment in his like mind would be when he's in his 70s. Wow. And yeah. on the one hand, I'm kind of like, don't fuck with perfection. Like, you know, <laughs> we don't, it's like, stop. No, it's good. It's fine. You're going to fuck, you're going to mess it up. Right. Like, <laughs> don't put any more icing on it. Uh, but on sure the other hand. you want to make those wings out of wax, Icarus? Yeah. Uh, look pretty. <laughs> but on the other hand, I can see the desire to play with this character, especially because it is such a reflection of his kind of personal experiences and his own journey to self-acceptance and to, you know, self-love and through, you know, and sexual healing. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so I can see from a, a writer, creator, artist perspective, why you would want to move it on from a fan perspective. It's like, no, stop, don't touch. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit the opposite as a, as a fan. I, I look at the competence in this mm. writing and directing, and I think future, you know, uh, sequels That's would valid. do really good. I, I, if as long as it's the same people making it, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. As long as you know, if it ain't broke. These are yeah. These are people who obviously put a lot of thought into what they make, why they make it. So mm -hmm. it's not like they would be flippant about a sequel, and it wouldn't be a money grab because they obviously don't care about the money. 
So. Well, and especially to hear, at least in that that little snippet of an article that I found, it seemed like it was a, a project that, again, really reflects his own personal growth over time. So mm-hmm. I could see that as he has become a more, you know, nuanced and grown and whatever, yeah. <laughs> adult ass man, <laughs> <laughs> big boy, big boy, big old boy, <laughs> that he would, you know, have more subtleties and nuance etc to give to Hedwig mm-hmm. and that character so yeah. do it john do it well i feel Maybe like this is it. a this is an easy one uh be kind please rewind award good or bad is it worth a rewatch yes a thousand yes. times yes yes yep. it's in my top 10 like, favorite movies in my top i think five. yeah like, uh, like julia said you're gonna catch something new every time you watch it yeah so it's it's like going to a bordello. You're yeah. going to get something new every single time. <laughs> well. Uh. If you have, if you play your cards right. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, there's so much that clear so much intention that clearly went into mm-hmm. the making of this like you can see that every single little teeny ticky tacky detail is refined and placed there with the utmost care and yeah one million times would i rewatch this i mean there's there's i lo- i liked it so much i got it tattooed on my body <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one's another no-brainer. Uh, the Neil Breen Struggle for Relevance Award. Uh, are this movie and its themes still relevant today? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. If anything, more relevant than ever. Um, and there, it's it, arguably a classic theme. Yeah. Coming all the way from antiquity. So, like, well, yeah. and one thing we've kind of skirted around this whole time is the way that drag is being handled in the South and the way that it's being addressed in places where unfortunately there's a lot of ignorance around drag and what it is and the art form of drag and what it means to make that available for young people and to have visible you know trans people and to have visible queer people and uh this movie really encapsulates how impactful drag can be whether Mm -hmm. you're in the community or adjacent to the community or you know floating somewhere nearby in the ether uh you know drag as an art form has the power to change lives and change minds and is you know so integral to the experience and to the cultural identity of this community and i mean you know to the point where some of the very first LGBT LGBTQIA plus ultra uh, activists were drag queens and trans people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these laws that have come into place in places like um, Tennessee uh, ignore that part of the community and look at it for only the sexual elements, which, of course, you know, not every drag queen has a sexual element to, yeah. you know, anything (laughs) i I think it's it's just the rights latest easy target yeah because everything else has fallen through their hands so yeah this is their last grasp i think 
Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, we know who's diddling the kids these days, and it's not the drag queens. I know. If you dig, if you dig deep <laughs> enough, you find all of these people in drag at some point in their life. It's yeah. Like, latex, masks, et cetera, women's panties. <laughs> just full on drag in, in a lot of cases. It's Calling just, girls on uh, websites asking to sniff their butts. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it is a very good point that we live in a very shitty time where all that stuff's happening. Fucking hell. So watch some Hedwig, do some fucking drag. I want to figure out how to like get Hedwig into their normal watch, like how to trick them into watching it. Like, yeah. Like he- sit, sit them down clockwork orange style. <laughs> Just force the eyes open. Yeah. No, you're going to see. Yeah. Look at all the colors. Look at all the sparkles. <laughs> Take it, you bitch. <laughs> we know you like it. Force we know it. you like the music. I can see your foot tapping. It's tapping, you bitch. <laughs> force him to boof some glitter while yeah. tapping in there. What would your guys' rainy day pairing be? Uh, Best double feature for this movie, uh, well under a blanket at home with some snacks. If I may, uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Oh, that movie has come up more than any other film on this podcast, and the fact that we haven't done it yet is, uh, you know. Criminal? Criminal, yeah. It's coming up. Um, We're we're just saving the good ones. Yeah. I know, but I mean, that one's like, fuck. No, but I'm a cheerleader is like the natural pairing for this because in terms of filmmaking style, there's definitely I I can see like similarities, at least in my mind's eye and the way that it's like shot, the way that the colors are utilized, the way that, you know, certain scenes are emphasized and certain feelings and emotions are emphasized by like having the characters fly. (laughs) And it's it's the same kind of story where it's like someone just authentically trying to figure out who the hell they actually are and what really genuinely makes them happy. And, uh, yeah, for me, natural pairing, natural pairing. Right on. Nice. Yeah, I've already I've already had that as a natural pairing, so I feel bad saying it again, but that's probably the one I would watch again as well. Just, yeah. Yeah, just, I got nothing else. Just to throw, <laughs> just to throw out another option, uh, I'm going to lean more into the rock opera side of the coin. Uh, so I would say probably natural pairing just because of like transitions within the character and whatnot. I would say the wall. Oh. Would be really well. Pretty good. Um, also, the wall is, you know, essentially just like an hour and a half music video you could make the argument this movie's kind of in that vein too yeah but better than the wall hot take real hot take coming in hot on this one um and a very underrated movie that everyone should just fucking go watch and this is more or less just a plug for it phantom of the paradise oh 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 phantom of the paradise is a great pairing with this movie oh that would that's oh okay yeah i might have to side with you on that <laughs> you because... want to talk slam rock Oof. oh baby if you enjoy glam rock cinematic fuckery and sheer camp sheer camp do you like beef julia beef (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, which speaking of recommendations uh we got the sonic death monkey top five a made-up list with deep emotional or esoteric relevance to the subject of the film um this week we are asking what are your top five all-time movies adapted from the stage? Ooh, top five all-time movies adapted from the stage. Uh, personal number one, Funny Girl, starring Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Right on. 
also would have to say uh jesus christ superstar that okay. one's fantastic um you're allowed to pick this one too yeah. <sighs> you are allowed to Cause, choose because i did yeah <laughs> that's, that's actually my number one was hedwig yeah and hedwig and hedwig go. definitely definitely hedwig uh yeah, I, I would say, I, I don't even know if I have more than that. Oh, my, my Fair Lady is also a classic. But yeah, I'd say those are probably my tops. Right on. Nice. I tried to keep things interesting. Got a couple musicals and a few straight plays. Uh, so I said number five, I'm going to be a very basic bitch here and just say Rocky Horror. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. I mean, uh, you know, oof, there's definitely some things that probably don't hold up in that one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's for what it is, classic. You know, it uh, gets dance to on a regular basis like monthly for a good reason uh number four is again gonna be a basic bitch here uh few good men mm. it's just yeah i didn't I, until researching this i didn't realize that was a stage play before oh yeah i have uh tried out for a few good men a couple times and not gotten a role so i am not that good of a man you aren't that good of a man apparently uh, <laughs> you're ask, just so so they're only asking for a few so it's hard yeah. to get into exactly it's only a few good men a few so-so men <laughs> yeah. a lot of mid men that yeah was a lot play, of very, yeah. very mids um, strong mids very mids for number three i wanted to just throw out a weird one just because i like doing that uh killer joe which this is like a just have you mm. seen Killer Joe? No. So Killer Joe is fucking <laughs> odd. I don't know if I like this movie, but I really want to rewatch it because I want to find out if I do. Um, it's Emil Hirsch and a bunch of other folks trying to hire a hitman to bump someone off. Again, haven't seen it in a while. I think it's like his mom or something like that. They hire Killer Joe, who is played by Matthew McConaughey, mm. who is a southern fried sociopath. <laughs> and there is a very whether the movie's good or not there is one scene that is definitely worth your time that i will not spoil that happens near the end and it's in both the play and the film so yeah uh just yeah seek it out it, it's it's wild number two um this one again i'm gonna go a little funky on this one uh it's not really an exact play per se uh but my own private idaho yeah, which is like gus, oh yeah gus van zandt's interpretation of henry that's Ford. a classic yeah mm -hmm. So fucking good. Also ties in with this. This would, you know, if you want to talk about like queer culture and stuff like that, yeah. it's a great movie. Yeah. My Private Idaho was one of, I when I was like 13 or so, 13 to 14, I went on a huge binge of whatever queer movies I could find. Mm -hmm. And um, Hedvig was one of them. Priscilla, uh, Queen of the Desert was one of them. And My Private Idaho, along with a, a German movie called Sumastom, Sumastom, uh, was another one of them and uh yeah it just it so kind of perfectly encapsulates growing up and just feeling different mm. and being different yeah. and what that can what that can mean <laughs> sure <laughs> well, all that can all that can do <laughs> in your life and then just to wrap up my list, because, of course, it's number one, because, yeah, fucking puppets. Uh, <laughs> uh, number one is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh. I got That's, that one, too. Yeah, I just grew up with it. It's incredible. I don't have to gush about it too much. It's, you know, it's Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. I'm not a huge uh, stage person. Like, it, it's I haven't seen too many plays. I'm a very uncultured freak. So. <laughs> swine. 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 Yeah. swine. Yeah. Shame. But uh, so my, on your house. my list is very pretentious, so... Uh, I got uh, number five, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, yeah. Just the, the film itself. I've never seen the play. I, I tried to put a list of plays that I've actually seen, too. 
But um, the film is just amazing. Mm. The, the perform- performances. See this watch? It's it's renowned, yeah. Um, 12 Angry Men, just mm-hmm. classic. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Number two, 1996, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, I knew this oh, was, I thought this would be your I number one. I forgot about that one. That's honesty. a really good one. Hedwig's my number one because it's actually got music and, and stuff in it. But the Romeo and Juliet, the, the style of, who did that one? Ah, uh, I forget. Um, but we can definitely do that on the show. That yeah. Is, yeah, that's the, so good. The, the DiCaprio one. I watched that one a thousand times. Same. Yeah, that, and that's how I learned Shakespeare is from watching the movie. It's like, when you do Shakespeare in any format, you inevitably end up watching that movie. Yeah, over and over and over again because it's just so good. It's yeah. just so good. I mean, obviously Shakespeare, but to see it done in a modern setting and done well. And anytime I, I make a mistake or I, I lose something, I, I do the, I am forgetful. <laughs> no matter how small it is, like I forget to buy something at the store. So. Oh, well, uh, brings us to our epilogue, ladies and germs. Um, verdict. I'm pretty sure it's very unanimous. We let it live. Yeah. Yeah. She stays. This, this is just this. Not just let it live. We champion this again. Yeah, exactly. like, again like we in, parade her. Yes, um, <laughs> no, hold, hold it up into the light that it deserves. It's we like, just walk around town like a raving lunatic, shaking people on the shoulders. Have you seen this movie? <laughs> Watch it, Ricky bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's. You could seriously teach a class on this movie. Yes. You could teach a class just on this movie. If there is a class and a major for like Buffyology, there should be a major <laughs> for Hedwigology. When, when I was in high school, there was a, a in the in the German college next door, there was a class on the Romeo and Juliet from 1996. Yeah. Like there's a study of that. And then in the documentary for this, there's a woman they interview who's doing her PhD on Hedwig. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Some wealthy professor out there. You know what to do. Yep. Start up a little program at your school and let the children watch Hedwig. Yeah. This, do this, it. This should be a staple of any education. Like, yeah. For sure. It's, I mean, there's, yeah, I, I could go on about it for hours, but the, the best thing to say about it is just watch it. Yeah. Just watch it and, and, and watch it again. It. Yeah. Yeah. And watch it again and again and again. Yeah, buy it. And again. Buy the buy the Blu-ray. Buy it 15 times. There Give John Cameron Mitchell all <laughs> of your money. That's right. Do it now. <laughs> Tell him to make many, many more. <laughs> um, do you have anything you want to promote or plug, Julia? Um, myself. No. Uh <laughs> You can. I mean, that's kind of what that's for. It's like, here's your soapbox, here's your pedestal. Uh at the moment, I don't really have anything going on. So if you are looking for a makeup artist, if you are looking for an actor or someone to do voiceover work, give your girl a call. <laughs> right on. Uh, I just want to say one quick thing. Um, yeah, support drag. Uh, go out and show up for these lovely human beings. Um, and also, yeah, you know, just go see a show if there's one in your area. And if there's not, Get on the fucking bus, go to the nearest city and go see a show. Um, And also, you know, these are some dark times in our country. uh, So donate to the Trevor Project and countless other LBGTQIA charities if you can afford to do so. Very nice. Also, uh, check us out on Patreon. You know, for for $5 a month, you get to listen to the post-show recordings when we have them. And we're getting to... Getting ready to launch a few new tiers. Um, I think for $100, we agreed you get to choose the movie that we review next. Mm-hmm. Ooh. For a thousand, you get to be on the show. Ooh. Yeah. 
Buy your way into my heart and my apartment, because that's where we record half the time. <laughs> He'll let you sniff his feet. Yeah. <laughs> Thousand bucks? Dude, you can suck my feet. I don't care. <laughs> suck toes and talk you're, films. You're so cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I got some stories for you. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, this has been the Nostalgia Killers. I have been Chuck Starzinski. I'm Ben Lugloat, and I'm going to be Julia Kaplan. Uh, still <laughs> continuing, possibly. <All> right. <laughs> bang bang. Mm-hmm.